Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business people you know stories you don't heard every saturday morning here 94.3 wsc simulcast on iHeartRadio, and of course you could always go to our podcast at coastalwm.com click on the radio icon and listen to all the stories of entrepreneurship and leadership over the last five years from here in the Low Country. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here with our other two hosts this morning. I'm Leslie Haywood. Thank you for sharing your Saturday morning again with us. And make sure and continue the fun beyond Saturday mornings and go to our Facebook page at Beyond the Business or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS. And our third host, Byron Stahl. I can't believe it is already the last weekend. In February. It is, but the good news is March Madness is right around yes, the corner. Yes, it is. You know, I love my basketball. God, every March. The Marches, they just, the, the years keep flying by, and every every March. <laughs> every month could be oh March Madness God. for me. I love it. Charleston is beautiful. Basketball is in full bloom. Flowers in full bloom. Wine and food. Boating is in full Are bloom. coming up with food and wine yes. and food is, I mean, this is a great time to be in Charleston. It is. This it is, is why people move here, right? This it is. is this I know. Is it. Shh. You're being too loud. You're <laughs> it's just us. People. It's just us three. And, well, we got to Don't guess, tell so. the world how Nobody amazing knows what we're talking about this morning. So welcome back, guys. Hopefully uh, you all had a great week here in Charleston. And certainly uh, we are excited because last Saturday, we had a great first half of the show with Mr. Josh Watts, who is the CEO of MedTrust Medical Transport, and he was telling his whole life story and teeing everything up about his business, and then we had to cut the show off because our time was out. So, uh, Josh, first of all, thanks for showing back up. Yeah, thank you so much. Leslie didn't run you off, so we appreciate that, as she normally <laughs> no, tries. I know. I was sitting here all last week like with my jaw on the floor at some of those stories. Like, it. <laughs> Low Country, if you were not here last week, you have got to go to the website and click on the podcast and hear, I mean, the the moment of I am done with this job. I'm, I'm not even going to give it Pretty away. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. That was really, really cool. Go to CoastalWM.com and on that front page, you'll see Radio Icon. Just click on it. Listen to Josh's show because it really was uh you know, that's kind of the epitome, right, and the road of what leads people to entrepreneurship a lot of times. And certainly over the last five years, we've heard story after story that all have that similar thread. And I think you eloquently, Josh, kind of laid that out there. Um, and I'm amazed when I look back and just sort of all the diversity of roles you had professionally, you know, large corporations and real estate and one end of the spectrum to the other, all those paths collide to help you navigate to that next step and dive into your own business what a cool way to hear about your story evolving so any major takeaways before we dive in guys yeah absolutely i mean i think probably the biggest takeaway for all of us and for all of our listeners was you know josh's story about the end of his time in pharmaceutical sales and we talked about how he had a great job where you know he got paid a lot of money to essentially just deliver lunch (laughs) and then one of his customers told him hey as long as you got my lunch right i don't really care what you're selling and Josh realized, you know what, this isn't my purpose. This isn't what I want to do. And that's just a testament to the ethics 
of what Josh is, and I hope to learn more about that today. Anything else from you, Leslie? No, I just I cannot. I know I need to. I need to see how this story ends. I don't want to run out of time. (laughs) So, Josh, for the sake of our listeners that unfortunately didn't get to hear your show last week, shame um, on you. Shame on them. But again, you know, you had this path that sort of twist and turn. But back up to the moment of where the idea uh, for uh, MedTrust sort of came about. Um, You know, this whole private ambulatory service that you guys are involved in. Um, give us a little insight to sort of that, again, the evolution of that idea. Sure. So, um, again, two brothers that I had known uh, from high school times uh, approached me. They were also not from the business or from the industry uh, with an idea about starting a private ambulance company in Florence. And, and by the way, why do you think they approached you? What was the magic in that? We had a relationship and had talked real estate quite a bit and had talked about uh, bringing investors together for real estate deals. And they were at the place where they were trying to bring uh, funding and investment together to start the ambulance business. So I, I think that's probably why. Uh, and then, you know, you, you you develop an appreciation for people's background, regardless of the industry and, and bouncing ideas off. And I'm a connector. That's, that's my thing. And so I think there's always... Uh, you know, I got a guy or I know this. And, and, and so they were coming to me to see if there was any resource they weren't thinking of that I may know of. So, you know, they, they came um, with this idea uh, of a private ambulance service. Um, their findings at that point were um, that there was a, a gap that existed in the care that could be provided, the service that could be provided, the way that uh, patients and employees and, and really uh, everyone was treated. Not that you know, the, not the competitors were bad people. It's just uh, the business side of private ambulance was often lacking because their background was uh, generally on the clinical side, uh, you know, as a paramedic. And there's a lot of things about this business that are clinical. And the reality is there's a whole lot of things about any business that are not about the business itself. It's about running a good a good business. So they um, came with an idea. We started looking. Uh, we actually had a a fun little process where we we hired a couple of Francis Marion business students, and um, they talked with their business professor about getting extra credit. We gave them a hundred questions, and they went out and knocked on the doors of the other private ambulance companies in the area, and they asked these hundred questions. And because it wasn't us starting an ambulance company asking the questions, there was quite a lot of good information that we would have never been able to get about the business. Brilliant. Yeah, it was. I wish I could own it. I didn't come up with the idea, but it was a great idea. And um, so they started in 2011 and uh, really just focused on service and doing what you say you're going to do, really the blocking and tackling of normal business. And they started growing really quickly. Um, about mid-2011, I started getting serious about looking at this business in Charleston, um, assuming that Charleston is Charleston. It's going to be better. Surely people are way more professional. Um you know, more money here, whatever you want to call it. all those things that you would think maybe it can't be as bad as what they saw in Florence. And the truth was that it was. And uh, so about that time, my uh, my best friend's father, um, who I had known since I was six years old, uh, he was really dad number two in a way, um, he had been displaced by the economic times of, of 2008, 9, 10. He was an operations consultant, primarily in the banking industry. And um, so we were talking one day and I said, you know, buddy, uh, would you have any interest in doing this with me? I I need somebody. I'm the front of the house guy. I need a back of the house guy. 
And, uh, you know, he was at a place in his career where it was really exciting. It was totally different. Um, and we started meeting together and, you know, business planning. Meanwhile, I'm selling real estate and, and, you know, keep, keeping that going. Uh, and we, we thought we had, uh, an investor, a single investor lined up to launch the business. And that would, that would have been late 2011. And we, we were ready to go, and that investor called us from his accountant's office and said, uh, oh, by the way, this is an old real estate client that I had sold a lot of stuff to. And uh, his accountant said, Josh, unfortunately, um, Jim cannot fund uh, this venture because he was pulling cash out of his business to do a real estate investments, and he needed to keep certain liquidity levels in the business you know, for his bank covenants and things like that. And so all of a sudden we went from, oh, my gosh, like we're starting in two weeks to we don't have money at all. And uh, but it was a good lesson because it became a friends and family round, if you will. And we, uh, you know, went on the road and and um, I say on the road as if it was really um, complex like that. We pick up the phone and, you know, called uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and, you know, just all of those things. Good old fashioned bootstrapping. Good old fashioned bootstrapping raised, you know, half as much as we should have. Actually, probably 20 percent of what we would have if we knew what we know now. Um, but we ended up incorporating in January of 2012. And then uh, in our business, we're heavily regulated, as you can imagine. And so our actual licensing with the state was, uh, I believe, April the 27th of 2012. And uh, we did our first transport on, uh, I think, April the 29th. And um, if I back up a little bit, I had never seen the back of an ambulance until I was in Oklahoma buying four ambulances. So it was really kind of bizarre because the guy explaining what he was selling was infinitely more knowledgeable than either Buddy or I was. <laughs> so he's talking about, oh, we got the, the Zolex GR15 and, you know, oh, yeah, shaking the head. You know, that looks great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we, we um, bought these trucks. They show up. Uh, we get them inspected. DHEC is our, our main regulatory body, but we're also regulated by Medicare, Medicaid, the DEA, um, the Office of Inspector General, you know, every LMNOP that you can imagine behind the letters. Um, but we decided when we started, you know, it was really about doing what you said you were going to do and having a company that was worth owning. I mean, that was a big thing for Buddy and I. He was at the twilight of his career. Um, I was, you know, uh, had other options. I could certainly go work for somebody and, and, and do something with a lot less risk. Uh, but it had to be a company worth owning, which meant it had to be a company worth working for. And so we really focused on the people up front, even when it was just, you know, six of us, we focused on that. And how did, it sounds like there was a lot of competition. How did it, and you bootstrap the investment. How'd you go about differentiating, differentiating yourself from the competition, growing your business at the onset? So when we looked at Charleston, uh, there are different niches within private transport. There's non-emergent um, transport that's primarily scheduled, dialysis, doctor's appointments, uh, discharges, the three Ds. Um, and that is a uh, – it's a different model. It, it's it's uh, lower cost, uh, lower skilled folks on the medical side you know, required – and then, and that's really more of a logistics play. That's really about moving mm -hmm. things around. And then on the opposite end, you have kind of the really clinically complex part of the business, 
um, which is not where we started at all. I mean, we knew very clearly coming in, we need to focus on can we move things around and get people where we said we were going to get them, when we said we were going to get them there, let's start there. Um, but in Charleston, the competitive landscape was very strange. It was two large companies that owned the non-emergent side, two good-sized companies that owned the hospital side, and then a company that was in the middle that kind of did a little bit of both. And so we targeted initially the non-emergent folks. Um, the quality was not what it could be and should be. Um Branding is a foreign word for most ambulance companies. I mean, just look at some of the ambulances you'll you'll see. Um, but we really focused on tracking how we were doing, reporting that performance, being very transparent, and nobody else was. Because if you don't have great performance or you don't know how to track it, it's Pandora's box to even have that conversation. So even though we were really small and at the end of 2012, we were doing about 200 transports a month, which is very small. Um, we were tracking the performance and we were telling people our story and how we were doing and, and that was gaining traction. And then 2013, from beginning to end, we grew from 200 transports a month to 600 transports a month. Um, still non-emergent, still scheduled. Um, that part of the business is um, fraught with fraud. And for a lot of other providers, because patients have to require the ambulance and some providers don't necessarily do it that way. You'll have people doing cartwheels to the stretcher and then, you know, they'll happily charge Medicare or Medicaid or whoever for it. But, you know, we were committed from the beginning. You know, we're not from this business. Therefore, we don't play in the gray. What Medicare, what Medicaid say, that's what we're going to do. What DHEC says, that's what we're going to do. I went to Clemson. I love orange, but that's the only color orange, you know, that I'm, <laughs> no I'm going to wear. For no jumpsuits nope. for me. Um, so it was an exciting year, but I would say uh, we were like most companies. It's capital intensive business, a lot of labor cost, and ambulances and equipment are expensive. But um, all we knew was we needed to do more because the numbers weren't working right. Um, the finances weren't generating what you thought for all sorts of reasons because it, it always looks really pretty in the in the business plan but you know it doesn't always act like that so that's that's really 2013 was growth but um still i think trying to figure out what we wanted to be when we grew up so as we always talk about a lot of our owners uh, and ceos you look back in those first couple of years you're talking about successes and you're learning but there's always that other side of the coin, right? Yeah. The potholes you stepped in, sure. the troubles, the adversity. Talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned going back from you, – you mentioned something really about there were some lessons in bootstrapping and how sure. you went about that. But even operationally, what's some of the things that you can share with our listeners and our entrepreneurs out here that you could tell them maybe not to experience? Well, I think things are cliche for a reason. And you, anybody that knows anything about starting a business will say it's going to take twice as long and twice as much money at least. And I would say uh, be very conservative with your revenue expectations, be very aggressive with your expense expectations, and raise more money if you need to raise it or put more money in if you need to put it in. Um, because you really, even though you want to be very, very cautious and bootstrap, I think that's an important lesson. Um, you also uh, you don't want to find yourself either going out of business before you get you know, any, get any, you know, good momentum, but you also don't want to limit opportunities as they come up. Um, so the lessons financially first is, is raise enough money <laughs> or have enough money. Um, but the second operationally, I think, 
Um, where we missed most was um, thinking that more is better. And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. It depends on what the more is. And there were some specific business segments that were fairly easy to turn the volume on. Uh, but if if I understood the reimbursement and the cost side as I do now, I would say I'm better off not doing the transports at all and writing a check, in this case, to Medicaid, because it literally was 30 to 40 to $50 below cost every time you showed up. So you can't make it up in volume. Right. Um, and, and it took away from the margin you were generating on the, on the other things. So that was a, a huge lesson. And I'd like to say it was one we figured out quickly, but it wasn't, it, it, you kept thinking you got to spread the cost over more things and, you know, all of that. But, uh, so at the end of 2013, though, we were starting to develop a reputation of being dependable, having, you know, good performance, things like that. And so Buddy and I, uh, said, you know, 2014 is our year. We got great momentum. Uh, we're going to add ALS, which is which is emergent and um, uh, kind of the more complex things. Uh, so we went through that planning process. And then I'll never forget, my wife was born in Princeton, New Jersey. And we had taken a trip up to New Jersey. And on New Year's Day, January the 1st, 2014, I was standing on the campus at Princeton University with my daughters and uh, it started snowing and this was the first time they'd ever seen snow. So I, it, it sticks out in my head and my phone's ringing and you know, this is family time. This is being away. It's new year's, you know, had not been a lot of family time during that first year and a half. And uh, my wife's like, don't answer the phone. We're here with family, you know? And, uh, but it was my best friend. And uh, so his dad, you know, was my partner and he called a couple of times and uh, I finally answered the phone and he let me know that um, his dad had been in the hospital and was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So, you know, New Year's Day 14 w- will always stand out. You know, it was a um, a shot. You know, I was the out front guy. He was the out back guy making sure everything happened. And and really 2014 was the first real, real test of the business. You know, was it going to was it going to survive that? And um you know, Buddy was a just a large man in every way. You know, his nickname was Big Fun and uh, just unbelievable moral compass. And I think that's why he and I got along so well. Um, you know, at the end of the day, was it the right thing to do? And, that, and he was he was a, a mentor, but also a great partner in that way. But as he went through treatments, his ability to do those things that he had done before was less and less and less. And and uh you know, the, the real challenge was that meant I was not out front selling. And so, um, about August of 2014, we were in trouble as a business, you know, financially we were in trouble. Uh, we were struggling, Buddy was, um, not doing well. And, um, John Osborne is a friend and I was connected to John and I was talking to him one day over lunch and he said, uh, you know, let me introduce you to some folks. It sounds like you may need some investment. You may need some advising, and so uh, in August, John introduced me to uh, Lena McDonald. Um, Lena had had was very active in the angel investment community here in town, and um, was part of CHAP, you know, one of the larger uh, groups. And her her last job job had been uh, chief strategy officer at Force Protection. So she uh, is an attorney by trade. Uh, she likes to say she's a recovering attorney. 
Um, but she, uh, we met and she was interested um, in the business and came on board as kind of an advisor and investor um, initially. Um, it was a weird time because Buddy was sick and, and there was all those dynamics of, you know, somebody new's coming in, nobody knows them, you know, how is this going to work if something happens, you know, with Buddy? And uh, I don't know, right from the very beginning, I just, I'm a trusting person to a fault. But I just really felt like, you know, um, Lena didn't need to work. She said, if I'm going to work, it's going to be something that matters. You know, that's how she ended up at Force Protection. You're yep. saving lives, you know, armored vehicles. You're, And so there was just this unbelievable connection early on. And she really masterfully helped me navigate uh, those last couple of months. And Buddy passed in November uh, of 2014. Sorry to hear that part. What a, an amazing story. I think we've had... Along the lines of the last five years, stories like this where, mm-hmm. you know, the business is going, things are – and then life gets in there, right? Right. And things happen in life. And, you know, that's the one thing. You don't see in a business plan. Right. And right. Um, certainly how you guys react No, you react don't write cancer, in, right. cancer it, for a partner. That gets written right. in. I mean – But this is life. This is, is reality. And these are the right. things that all entrepreneurs need to be aware of if they haven't faced it. Right. You know, it's all about getting through those moments. Yeah. Um Talk real quick. We are going to unfortunately run out of time. It's hard to believe, but the value of having sound like you had people around you. Right. You had advisors around you. you talked about John Osborne mm-hmm. as a as a, a confidant. The people around you, the support around you. How important has that been in decision making and what to do next and where to go? One of our biggest strengths was the fact that we weren't from the business. So whether it was me or Buddy or Lena, we came at it from a different direction necessarily. Um, but that meant that we had to listen to people that knew about the business, you know, from a clinical perspective or operational perspective. So we, we always, from the beginning said, we need to hire really good people and listen to them, but then challenge everything they're saying, which can be frustrating. I would imagine for those guys that have 20 or 25 years experience, but it's really truly been the biggest, um, determinant of, of what's happened with MedTrust and, you know, when when Lena came on board, she didn't know anything about the ambulance business. And I thought I did, but really didn't. And we unpacked and kind of went back to basics. We had a whiteboard that became a checkbook and we literally did a cash flow statement that was on a whiteboard to really understand the cash flow cycle of healthcare billing, which is really complex. And, you know, the the net result of it all was we decided that we wanted to serve hospitals that that was the part of the business that made the most sense long term. It was something that we could be proud of, that we could you know, have a company worth owning, that employees would want to work for because great clinicians want to do great calls. They want to challenge themselves. They want to have great equipment. They want to be serving these really sick, unfortunately sick patients. And uh, but but we were little med trust with with six ambulances and we had never served a hospital. So going to the people piece of it, the only way we could bridge that gap was to bring people in that had done it before. And so, uh, you know, Charleston is one of the best cities in the world, and we use that to our advantage. Uh, I was a recruiter as a background, and I knew real estate, so I knew how to sell Charleston. And we went on LinkedIn, and I'm a networker, and, and we started bringing in those key pieces, and that was really the, the key. And how many ambulances have you grown to? Fifty-two. Fifty-two from yeah. six, yeah. and that was in fourteen. That was in 20? that was in seventeen, actually. How many employees now? Uh, about two hundred and twenty. Wow. From here to uh, Myrtle Beach to Jacksonville, Florida. 
And before we run out of time, just sort of the uh, the vision of the future. Where do you guys go from here? Right. So we really have decided that um, our audience is hospitals. Uh, we don't plan to be everything to everybody. And so all of our business modeling is built to serve them and serve them better than anyone else. So we're developing the reputation of the company that serves hospitals and that's opening doors. So our expansion, uh, within the state, we've got some things that I can't really announce yet that are taking us into other parts of South Carolina. Um, we hopefully will be opening, uh, in Georgia, um, in kind of Southeastern Georgia in the next uh, probably uh, four months or so, uh, and then uh, Jacksonville is a is a huge expansion uh, opportunity for us. So we open there December the tenth, and uh, we're already up to fifty employees there and lots of business. So the future for us really is southeastern, more than likely, um, uh, and lots of growth opportunities. We're saying no to a lot more than we're saying yes to. Well, congratulations on all your success. Josh Watts, again, CEO of MedTrust Medical Transport here in the Low Country. Uh, we do have time for one quick. You can't do the whole lightning round, just one. We want to, people you know, stories you don't, <laughs> go quick. Do you have any sort of hobby or quirk or something fun that no one knows? The people that know you might not know. I know you can that, sing the, and play piano. Something, something else. The people that know me might not know that. That's true. Because if you know me, you know these things, right? <laughs> um, so one nugget of, you know, I, so I play the harmonica, um, and I love the blues, and I love live music because it kind of relates to those things. I'd say that's a nugget, and and I'm an unbelievable softy. Once my kids were born, I cry at everything. <laughs> And uh, and I've got no. a wife that's that's not like that, which is kind of different, um, but un- unbelievable wife that helps me, uh, you know, dry the tears when I'm crying oh, at home. So the Kleenex box is on your side of the couch. That's correct. The truth that's is right. out there, folks. That's Josh right. Watts, thanks again for your story and congratulations on all your success. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in the dial to 94.3 to listen to another edition of Beyond the Business. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7:30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.